This podcast is presented to you by a new series, The Clergy Confessions Podcast, now available wherever you get your podcast. Listen to ministers share truly awful experiences in anonymity. In this first season, you will hear stories of a minister fighting for maternity leave deep into her pregnancy, a pastor being fired for discovering an embezzlement scheme by the deacon board, an associate pastor finding his senior pastor and office administrator having an affair on church property, and so much more. Visit clergyconfessions.com. Follow Clergy Confessions on Instagram, Facebook, and whatever Twitter's called now. Let's go right there, uh, which is kind of grief is this... It's a curious thing. Um, yeah. One thing I didn't expect when working through uh, through it were, were the recurring mm-hmm. cycles of it, especially the exact date of a loss um, that occurred, a, you know, like a year later or several years later. Mm-hmm. You call these anniversary reactions. I wonder if you'll take us a little deeper into these triggers of grief. Welcome to the CBF Podcast Conversation. We know that conversations matter, so each week we are grinding through the critical research to bring you the best stories and resources of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. I'm Andy Hale, your CBF Podcast host, and this year we're celebrating our seventh year of the podcast, bringing you even better interviews worth your time, attention, and collaboration. These episodes are not intended for you to listen to an island unto yourself. Get online, share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast with us on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We see you, Pasadena, California, Louisville, Kentucky, Beaverton, Oregon, and Frankfurt, Germany. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. We want to give a special shout out to some of our listener supporters, the Honorable Charles Qual, Caroline Bell, Cindy Foldenlore, Trip Hawthorne, Bill Johnson, Carson Fushi, Ralph Stocks, and that generous anonymous donor that keeps giving in honor of CBF Grump. Thanks for listening. Little Rock, Arkansas, Pittsburgh, PA, Ashburn, Virginia, West Yellowstone, Montana, Tamworth, Australia, and Hamilton, Canada. First-time listeners and long-time listeners, we are grateful you are here for the conversation. And before we move on, we need to give a word of gratitude to our annual sponsors, including Zondervan Media Company, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, A Model Ministry, and Gardner-Webb University's School of Divinity. Finally, and I promise this is it, don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. We need to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity. The Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity aims to equip, nurture, encourage, and support men and women for their best service in the kingdom of God. Offering several programs, including master's and doctoral levels, you'll be equipped and encouraged to discover the unique place where your faith reaches out to meet the needs of the world. Now enrolling for fall of 2023, for more information about Gardner-Webb Divinity Programs, scholarships, and grants, call 704-406-3205 and visit gardner-webb.ed. Our guest for this week's CBF podcast conversation is Natasha Smith. She is a content creator and author with over 12 years of putting creative content into the world. She's the host of Can You Just Sit With Me podcast, and she has a new book by the same title coming out this fall. Natasha, thank you for joining the conversation. 
Thanks so much for having me, Andy. Well, I will say I have talked to many North Carolinians on this podcast and our listeners know um, my love-hate relationship with our Texans and always throwing shade on the state that thinks they're the greatest. But I have never sat down with somebody who lived in the same town that I lived for for nearly 15 years of my life. You're, you're from Clayton, North Carolina, the fastest yes. growing town in North Carolina. That is correct. <laughs> So we'll just, we'll just bask in the greatness that is like Clayton and uh, give a shout out to, to that great town. And we have uh, quite a number of partner churches in that area uh, as well. So uh, where are you from Clayton originally or did, where, where are you from originally? Actually not. Um, I am homegrown in North Carolina, though. Um, my hometown is um, about two hours, two and a half hours um, east here. So it's a very, very small town called Dover. North Carolina and mm -hmm. it's it's in between New Bern and Kinston. <laughs> mm -hmm. Always have yeah. to say that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, North Carolinians know exactly what we're talking about. Uh for anybody who's gone to the beach in North Carolina, yes. you've 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 driven to that area. So, yes. so yeah. It Dover is one of those towns where um if you're <laughs> heading down to the coast, you better watch your speed uh because uh three quarters of the town's like commerce comes from people just flying through. So That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you've been putting content out there for for over 12 years now what's kind of you know the original impetus for starting to to write yeah the funny thing is um it was more so a creative outlet for me because when I started writing I was actually um or you know started to be like a blogger and influencer things were coming out um but I started as like this side creative outlet thing that I was doing I was still working in corporate America like I had a nine to five working as an engineer in pharmaceutical industry and um, so it was kind of like a outlet for me to just be more creative or use my creative side and so I started blogging over um, I guess 13 years or so ago and again it was more so like family things um kind of like a self-help style I mean it, it included like family faith and fashion at the time and then more so I kind of moved um over the years um I just started growing more and more and sharing more and more of my faith at the same time um and so yeah so that's how it started all those years ago so you, you've got a this podcast can can you just sit me what, what do you want to tell us about about the platform Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much for that question. Um, so the podcast, Can You Just Sit With Me, kind of started um, from this piece that I wrote on Facebook during 2020. And it resonated with so many people because, of course, 2020 was our special year <laughs> that so many dark things happened. It was such a chaotic year um, politi politically. Um, there was so much political divide. There was so much racial violence going on in our world. There was um, the pandemic, you know. So it was such a um, a heavy time and a heavy season. And so I wrote a piece on Facebook that was asking the question, like, can you just sit with me? Because it was a time when it felt like grief for one. It felt like no one was listening to one, you know, no one was listening to each other. Um, even in our churches, you know, it was a lot of people shouting their truth. No one was showing that much compassion or empathy during the time when we needed most. 
um, needed it most. And so, um, again, I, I wrote a piece with those sentiments of, you know, just, can you just sit with me? Can you sit with me to listen, to not interject your opinion or your advice, but just to hear my heart. And so, um, and so that's where the title of my book came from. And that's where the title and the sentiment of my podcast came from. And so I have guests on who um, share their heart that um, whether they've, you know, walked through grief or some type of pain or some type of suffering um, that we can share the hope of Christ and how we have walked through it and how we can, and those who are listening to the podcast can say, oh, okay, so that's how I can sit with someone who is um, experiencing hard things and hard places in their life. We can't go any further without telling about one of our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. How does your congregation handle ministry staff leadership for areas such as youth and children's ministry? More and more churches are cultivating these leaders from within their congregations. Going away to seminary is not an option for these persons, yet many desire some level of theological education to better prepare them for their ministry role. In response to this trend, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky has launched the Homegrown Initiative. The Homegrown Initiative offers ministry leaders options for training and growth that fits into their busy schedules. If you or someone else at your church is serving as a homegrown minister and is looking to be better equipped as a minister, visit bsk.edu to learn more about new creative options for growth. bsk.edu. That's bsk.edu. Uh, a great segue to kind of transition of the book <laughs> by the same title. Can you just sit with me? Um, this book examines loss and grief. You wrote, I had to learn how to cope with grief. With each loss, I found myself unprepared, as most do. Even when walking through terminal illness of a loved one, I didn't have a plan. I felt lost. Um, you know, woven into the fabric of this book are your many stories of loss, um, mm -hmm. such as, you know, giving birth to a stillborn child. You know, for many, when they experience unimaginable loss like this, the last thing they want to do is, is talk about it. So yeah. why have you written about it? Mm, that is such a great question. I don't think anyone's asked that in that way. Um, but yeah, I didn't plan on writing. I didn't plan on sharing it, actually. And um, I like to say that I really sat with grief for like 30 plus years, um, really stuffing it, pushing it aside um, and not really because I didn't have a safe place to to let it out. But 2020 again, um, was that pivotal turning point or year that I, I just felt compelled to start to write about it because what I was seeing in culture and all around me felt like how I felt on the inside. Like it felt like death. It felt like grief. And I, um, again, before 2020, I did not express any of these things, um, definitely not publicly and even with those around me you know until I found like a safe place and a safe community to begin to share um, more of my grief and actually um, it kind of started in a small group at church um, we have what we call freedom groups at our church and 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 it was a safe place it was a safe community and I started to share a little bit about my my grief journey or my grief stories or lost stories and so um I just little by little started writing and I started um like on my 
one of my on my Facebook page, I started writing more about loss. And it just started resonating with so many people because what I found is, you know, it's not a easy topic to talk about. And so I feel like it connects with those who are like, okay, I'm it me too, you know. I'm not the only one experiencing this or have experienced this. This helps me feel not so alone. And so I feel like that's the purpose is to help those who are not, who feel alone, who feel misunderstood, who feel, um, who need that guide, gentle guide and companion to come alongside with them as they're sitting or as they're grieving to just sit with them. Um, and to help them along the path, and most of all, to point them to the hope that we have in Christ. You define grief as the normal yet complex and innate human experience that stems from undesirable event affecting mm -hmm. not only our own mental and physical well-being, but also our spirit and overall quality of life. Walk us through how you crafted this definition. Yes, um, I because the the general definition that we most often hear is that grief is the response to a loss and it is but it's so much more than that and it includes and it's it's so more far reaching than that and so that's kind of what i was thinking as um just taking my personal loss it goes beyond the death of a loved one which that's more so what our society and our culture kind of thinks about when it thinks about huge losses. It's like, you know, someone, a loved one died. Um, but it goes far beyond that um, because in our lifetime, we face many losses and, and losses of even letting go of anything, you know, um, a job loss, the loss of a family pet. I mean, the loss of a family home, I mentioned that in my book as well. I mean, those, it caught me off guard. I was like, okay, you know, and so it's, we face many losses. Um, and then the complexity of grief is just sometimes unimaginable. Um, the myriad of emotions that we can experience from anger, guilt, um, relief, like how, how am I feeling relieved that someone has died? It's, it's crazy. So it's a, a, a it's so complex. It's a, so many emotions that we can um, experience and express. Um, but the big thing I want people to remember and know is that though it's complex, it's totally, totally normal and it's totally natural. And most often it's necessary in order to begin to heal. I want to go back to that first quote I read. I had yeah. to learn how to cope with grief. Mm. Um, yeah. You were raised in the church. Yeah. Um, you know, so was I. However, I would dare say that the church did not prepare me to understand and cope with grief. Yeah. Would you say that's a, that's a fair assessment of of church, if not most churches? And, and if so, why do you think that's the case? Yes, absolutely. And uh, thank you again for that question. Um, I can, I guess I can just start with, again, you know, I feel like as I walked this journey again, um, not having safe places and I, and I say safe places. And unfortunately that included the church because I feel like they weren't prepared either. And though, you know, um, we have the Bible 
and they have the Bible. Um, it was maybe it wasn't studied in a way. I, I'm still trying to figure it out because we're still here, like trying to navigate like why more churches aren't being as supportive as they could for the grief community. Um, but I feel because a lot of the things I know I have experienced in the past is, is sometimes even using scriptures as a band-aid and um and kind of like an easy fix but it's not that simple and so I think we're we're at a place where we're kind of still kind of navigating these waters with churches to say hey you know um statistically like 2.5 I can't remember it's billion million billion people die a year in the United States alone and out of that like five five to seven people are grieving from that and so most of our churches are going to be filled with grieving people and so we we need to um make space for that um yeah that's a hard question because I'm still trying to navigate through like why why that is I think because it's a hard topic and it's not like joy you know um we can quote a lot of scriptures and sometimes I feel like it's um, we just don't make space for it. Space is just not made for that particular topic because it's not, you know, it's not a sexy topic. I don't know if I can say that on this, you know, it's not a, yeah. uh, it's not like, you know, joy, 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 you know, it's, it's sad, but we have the hope of Jesus. So I'm trying to make sense of that still. Like we need more yeah. hope in grief. So, yeah. 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 I, I, I agree with you. I think there's this like tension of like, there's so much going on in our yeah. world, so mm -hmm. much going on in our lives. And yet we, we know the numbers of mm -hmm. depression uh, yeah. and loneliness and isolation are are going up and and yet the church at times tends to only yeah. uh address grief like at a funeral right yes exactly you're right <laughs> and, you're right. and even that it's like a not the whole church is participating in it and yeah. so it's like we're missing so out true. on so much of, of this you know but the Bible gives us an entire book yeah. dedicated to grief. It's, it's called so Lamentations, true. you yes, know. It's so true. <laughs> you know, but so many churches have avoid this book except mm -hmm. when when facing loss. So mm -hmm. what does it look like then to 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 weave grief education into mm -hmm. the spiritual formation of a congregation? Mm -hmm. I think it's um maybe even just teaching. Um the character of Jesus, how Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. Um, the verses of, you know, weep with those who weep or mourn with those who mourn. Um, even so many biblical examples of those who grieve. I mean, it, it really is just taking time to make space somewhere throughout, throughout the year. Um, to, to tap in and touch on those subjects because there there's so much in the Bible and so many examples that can be used to show um, and to make biblical and practical life application 
on how to cope and how to move through these seasons. You know, as, as you talk about navigating grief and asking mm -hmm. some difficult questions, uh, like, do I feel normal? What mm -hmm. is normal? How does normal behave? What were these questions coming out of in your experience? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, in, at, in times of like deep loss, I felt a little bit like, am I losing it? <laughs> like, I felt not like myself. I felt um, because my emotions were just so all over the place. So, you know, I'm happy one minute and I'm sad. I mean, it was just a just roller roller coaster of emotions and not really having, um, you know, just more direction of or or the insight or even someone to say, no, you're good. You're good. That's normal. This is this is normal for someone who who has experienced this type of loss or this trauma. That is normal. Like I have no one whispering in my ear, like that's normal. And so if we don't have someone kind of helping to, to reiterate the normalcy of um, this roller coaster of grief that grief can take us on, we can um, really go down the path of like, oh my gosh, is something wrong with me? But no, nothing's wrong with you. You're, you're just grieving. We are pausing to tell you about one of our collaborative annual sponsors, A Model Ministry. Are you a church leader who's committed to keeping children safe? If so, then A Model Ministry is for you. We are a registered nonprofit organization specializing in safety education, policy writing, and risk assessment to mitigate child abuse in ministry organizations. We understand that child safety is a top priority for churches, and we are here to create a safe and nurturing environment for all children. Our founders can provide the resources and support needed to implement effective child safety policies and procedures. Visit amodelministry.com to learn more about our services and how we can help keep children safe. Since 2016, CBF episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support. Let's, let's go right there, um, yeah. which is kind of grief is this, it's a curious thing. Um, yeah. One thing I didn't expect when working through, uh, through it were, were the recurring cycles of it especially the exact date of a loss um that occurred a you know like a year later or several years later you call these anniversary reactions i wonder if you'll take us a little deeper into these triggers of grief mm -hmm. yeah so um triggers are so tricky <laughs> they can just come upon us um and literally sometimes like side swipe us hit us like a mac truck 
I mean, they can stem from, um, they're basically kind of like memory re responses or memory things that may pop up because it can be triggered by a sight, a smell, um, but as you mentioned, um, anniversaries. So um, maybe when your loved one passed away or even then their birthday. Um, so the fall season for me is just really, that's the season that hits really hard with um, tons of death anniversaries, um, the time of their deaths and then as well as birthdays. And then guess what? Holidays are here. And so they can be, a really triggering, challenging time. But if you have um, kind of a plan, so to speak, or ways that you can make space for grief, and that's that's really the thing. It's like making space for it so that it's not as overwhelming. Actually, someone has shared um, a video or something with me where someone was talking about grief and they were saying, you know, I'm, I go, I'm going on the offense when, as it comes to these type things, so that I'm not overwhelmed, I go ahead and make space for it. I think the gentleman had lost his mom. And so when he's out and about, he literally goes and pays for like older women's meals. He just goes to, goes to their table and say, Hey, you're around the same age as my mom. She died. And I'd love to take care of your meal. And so anyways, I mentioned that just to say there are some things that we where we can honor our loved ones and where we're, as we're honoring them, we're making space for feelings of grief. And so when these anniversaries, dates or triggers come up, they don't hit as hard. You know, it's fascinating. I think it's an American culture thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, we We tend to kind of, place our dead um, mm. in specific locations. Mm. And and oftentimes it's like we we don't talk about it afterwards yes. versus there's other cultures that have like specific days to honor the dead. And That's actually, so true, right? what's, you know, it's fascinating is the <laughs> church actually has two days dedicated to this, but in the free church, kind of the Protestant tradition, many traditions kind of avoid this all saints day and all souls day which uh -huh. is intended right. to so be funny. this time you know and so i wonder if there's an aspect that we have removed from the theological vocabulary of preparing people for grief by avoiding talking about um them you know the death uh, yeah. the anniversaries of death and and these days kind of in, in general if that makes any sense oh my gosh it makes so much sense i love that that you brought that up because I mean, I've, I've seen those and right, we, we don't really celebrate and we kind of like avoid those. <laughs> and it's like, huh, that was, I think that's so interesting. But our, yeah, our culture is definitely, definitely death and grief avoidance. Even our, our language surrounding it, you know, instead of saying death died, you know, we say passed away. And so, I mean, we avoid we're definitely a lot of grief avoidance. And so it makes it 10 times more harder when these things happen. Hmm. Anyone who's, yeah. you know, experiences loss, um, you know, has been afforded the opportunity to have a community of people that care for you, you know, mm -hmm. like the church. Yeah. They know that eventually the hugs, the cards, the check-ins stop coming and, yeah. and people move on while you're dealing with, 
with your grief. Mm-hmm. And there can almost be this feeling from others of, oh, you're you're still dealing with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you wrote, giving ourselves permission to grieve means allowing ourselves space and grace to heal. I think many people know how to give themselves permission to grieve. I think there's some who obviously don't. I think it's great that you address that. But but how do we ask others to give us permission and space to grieve while they've already moved on? Yeah, that's a hard one. But I still think it's, it starts and ends with grace. It's like extending and receiving grace because it may be, we may run into someone who just don't have the capacity to extend the grace that we need to continue grieving or come to a place where we're you know um on a healing journey and that's that's hard um but i i believe as christ followers um we should be um in the mindset of wanting to extend the grace and 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 grace means showing them the love that jesus has for us and extending as i mentioned before empathizing like putting ourselves in the other person person's shoes and i don't know if that can you know would be like the conversation to say you know put, put yourself in my shoes you know um try to try to feel a little how i'm feeling um to give me a little bit of grace to continue to walk walk this out and to sit with sit with me as i'm sitting with jesus and having this conversation about what's going on. Questions are, are a tremendous part of, of the grieving mm-hmm. journey. You wrote, in our grief, you don't want your questions to lead you into a black hole of no return. Mm-hmm. I guess the first question is, so what happens if someone goes down that black hole? Yeah, it's totally possible. Um, that's so hard. I believe, you know, obviously there's, there's always hope. Um, And I've, I've seen people do that. And thankfully, you know, and prayerfully, you know, those around um, those, those people or people who find themselves there, prayerfully, they have someone around them that would be able to pray for them and to kind of be be hold that place like stand in the gap for them as they um kind of make their way back to the light and so it's like being in community even if you're in such a dark place like okay okay guys I cannot pray I can't I don't even want to I don't want to go to church I don't I don't you know they start to self-isolate maybe um avoiding others and so just in community having others that are able to support them as they're trying to find their way back to the light that's the biggest thing is um having someone that you can reach out to again a safe person safe place safe group community that will be able to support you during that time where it's just like I don't even know, you know, like their faith has been so shaken, unfortunately, you know, by the loss and they're questioning their faith. They're questioning if God even loves them. They're questioning even if God exists. I mean, um, and so just having safe community surrounding them 
as they walk walk that dark path and try to see the glimpses of light, um, having that support of people genuinely and fervently praying for them, I think is the biggest thing. Let's take a break to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work. What is social work? At Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, it's empowerment, service, and justice. It's ministry, counseling, and relationship building. It's faith, practice, and community. But above all, it's learning how to help others thrive. Social workers can be found addressing the full scope of the human experience in churches, schools, prisons, government agencies, senior living centers, nonprofits, and Fortune 500 companies. Careers in social work profession are vast and varied. What is social work, you ask? It's much more than you think. Visit gsswstories.baylor.edu to explore more. One of the challenges, um, you know, of loss is that it confronts our understanding of God, mm-hmm. how God functions in the world and our lives. We've all prayed that prayer for something mm-hmm. that doesn't mm-hmm. end up happening. Theologically, how do we wrap our minds around unanswered prayers, especially in the darkest points of the grief journey? Yeah. Again, all these are hard questions from us. They're great questions because we we wrestle with that and just the tension of living here on earth um, in the, a broken world, a world that is kind of tainted by sin and how death and grief, loss, suffering, pain enter the world through, through sin. And because of sin, um, we live here. And so we live in that tension of um, it's, it's not how God intended. It's not what he intended for us. And then um, even further, this is really not our home. And so when things happen and we pray, um, but the prayers aren't answered the way we have hoped because I've, I've found myself in plenty of those types of scenarios, um, especially those when I, I thought that I heard, you know, clearly sensed from God that he would heal um, and more specifically in my case, um, one of my sisters and it didn't, it didn't go that way. My oldest sister, um, Angie, she was 32. I was a sophomore in, in college and she passed away. I knew she had cancer, um, at 32. And I was like, this doesn't make sense, you know? And, and I was a part of a campus ministry and we did like, a, a prayer, um, I wouldn't say a prayer meeting, but it was kind of kind of like a, a this prayer meeting every week where we would go to one of the classrooms on campus and write the names of or our prayer requests on the board and we pray for everyone around the room um, for about an hour or so. And I know I would put my sister's name on the board and and I just had such a sense of a deep sense that God was going to heal her. But he didn't the way I wanted her to be healed, like here on this earth and still walking this earth with me today. And so it confused me a little bit. And I was like, I thought I heard from God or I thought I sensed how he was going to going to work. And so it challenges us. But when we think deeply, like when we read our Bible and we think deeply about the character of God, and how, you know, he really does have a plan for us and how that plan is a good plan and is um, one that is not 
of evil, but to give us a good expected end. We, you know, and th but things don't happen how we intended, or um, as we say, you know, it seems as if our prayers are unanswered. We have to go back to simply the character of God and say that, you know, God is for us and he's not against us. And even Lamentations 3.33, you know, God doesn't purposefully um, bring any kind of affliction or grief on us. And so it's, it's really having to trust the maker of the entire world and universe um, with something that we may never understand. Like it's, it's, it's almost something that, that you don't like put on the shelf, but you just have to trust the one who knows everything with that tension of why didn't this happen? So, yeah. We all know the phrase time heals all wounds. Mm -hmm. um, but in your experience, what heals grief? Yeah. Jesus. That definitely not time. Um, he heals it. And when I say that, you know, there are some in the grief community that's like, no, that's not true. <laughs> um, nothing can heal this. This is too deep. Like healing sounds like a, almost like a curse word to them. You know, it's like, no, you know, this can't be healed. It hurts so bad and hurts so much. And I can totally get and understand that sentiment because, grief is so excruciatingly hard and it's it can feel so unbearable but when we think about our our savior and what he's um what he himself has experienced like we have a suffering savior like we have a god who has experienced every single thing that we have um a god who fully it fully and deeply knows and understands our grief. Um, he knows all the, you know, everything that we're feeling. Um, he's the God that can heal us. Like if we truly bring it to him and I'm not, again, time doesn't heal like everything, but God can. If we believe that he's a healer, he will. And then I, I want to just throw out there as well is that healing doesn't mean we have to kind of rethink healing. Like when I say healing, it doesn't mean the absence of pain. And so healing can really be like, you know, I have so much more peace as I'm walking the rest of this, my life journey. So it can be peace when you know, in our mind, it used to be so much, so many chaotic th thoughts surrounding the loss. So that's, that's a piece of healing. So we have to kind of rethink healing as it relates to grief, because if we think about um, healing as being free of pain, of course, we'll say, no, I can never be healed. But if we rethink healing in the light of Christ and what he can do for us in making us whole, like spiritually, um, Yes, we can definitely um, find healing in Jesus. The local pastors listening to this, how do you imagine them using your book within the church? I think it would be so amazing for them to um, 
because it's filled with a lot of biblical insight, like um, a lot of stories, grief stories from what we considered our consider our biblical heroes and and heroes of the Bible. And so, I mean, it can really be like some mini um, sermon series can come out of it to actually make space um, throughout the year as they're planning for um, for the year of the different messages that they could bring and bringing in like um, can think of like the current events or things going on in our world that's bringing grief and tie it into with the book in, in a way um, that it really does make space for the congregants. I think that would be amazing and, and helpful for the church. Our guest is Natasha Smith. The book is, Can You Just Sit With Me? You can stay connected with her by visiting imnatashasmith.com. Natasha, it's been a joy speaking with you. Thank you for challenging us to have hope of healing, permission to grieve, and the belief that ashes can be turned into beauty. Thank you so much for, for having me, Andy. I really appreciate this conversation. We are grateful for a chance to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Zondervan Media Group. Explore the depth and beauty of scripture with the NRSV updated edition. With provisions based on new contextual evidence, historical insights, and linguistic precision, this updated edition of the NRSV delivers a translation of scripture based on meticulous care for accuracy and readability. Learn more about new editions of the NRSV UE from Zondervan at nrsvuebible.com. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF on all major platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity, a model ministry, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, and Zondervan Media Company. Check out more at cbf.net for more information about church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and more. And I'm not sure if we mentioned that you should join the listener support community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.